It's time for Mac Geek Cab, and listener Mike brings us our quick tip of the week by telling us one thing he noticed with Ventura is that it has some entries uh, for things in the, uh, if you right-click on the system settings icon in the dock, you right-click on that, and it pops up a menu, just like system preferences used to. We noticed, uh, and it's great, you can go and choose, like, network, which is cool, because there is, uh, you know, you can, and you can choose time machine, which gets you a layer deep, because general is where time machine lives now, but it shows up in that menu. General, however, does not show up in that menu. There are some things that don't appear there, but lots of them do. So if you want a quick way to get into uh, a specific system settings pane, try right-clicking on its dock icon, and there you go. More tips like this, plus your questions answered today on MacGeekGab967 for uh, Monday. I was going to say Friday. What was I going to say Friday? For Monday, February 6th, 2023. <laughs> Folks, and welcome to or welcome back to Mac Geek Up, the show where you send in your tips like that. You send in your questions. You send in your cool stuff found. We share your tips like we've already started doing today. We share your cool stuff found. We share and try to answer your questions. Sometimes we bring tips, questions, and cool stuff found of our own. The goal being that we put it all into an agenda so that we can each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G. You get to help your users learn about security so that they can manage their own devices well. It's good stuff. And ZocDoc at ZocDoc.com slash M-G-G. You can sign up for their free app and download it and pick and find a doctor. Many are available within just 24 hours. It's free. Uh, we'll talk more in depth about both of those in a little while here for now. Here in very cold Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in cold and windy Fairfield, Connecticut, this is Jonathan Braun. Greetings from, well, by their standards here, very cold Daytona Beach, where it's 67 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my goodness. Get out the parkas. Violet Peak. That is cold for uh, for Daytona. It, it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cold for here. So, no. Yeah. In fact, be wishing for 67. There. Yeah. By the time the show comes out, we record this on Fridays, which I suppose is why I was thinking about Friday when uh, yeah. when we were doing the intro. But by the time the show comes out, it, it should have warmed up substantially here in New England. But our predicted low here today is negative 15. And uh, it looks like from our pre show troubleshooting that one of my Nest thermostats, the one here in the studio, has given up the ghost. I think it's the back plane on it based on the quick troubleshooting I did, but we had to get the show rolling. So I put a spare thermostat in. We've got heat beginning to flow in here. My teeth will stop chattering. I promise. And, uh, and we should do a show. What do you think guys? Yeah, we should do that. Let's I'll, do it. I will uh, mention though, that you were talking negative 15. That's Fahrenheit, which is about negative 27 Celsius. If my, brain is functioning okay. correctly so, all right yeah yeah because yeah. we have an international crowd well, it's true where they 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 meet at about negative 35 right I somewhere think. in there yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so so but, but yes, there's some, right. hey another quick tip there's some easy ones to remember 
Uh, 16 is 61. Fair, 16 Celsius, oh. 61 Fahrenheit. 28 is 82 Fahrenheit, 28 degrees Celsius, 82. And then, of course, 15 is 59. That's an aviation thing. That's a standard day, 15 Celsius, 59 Fahrenheit. Uh-huh. But 16, 61, 28, 82. Yeah. So, you know, just close numbers. <laughs> so 16C is uh, 61, 61 F. Fahrenheit. Yeah. And, and, and what's the other one? 28C is yep. 82 Fahrenheit. <laughs> so just transpose this is those handy, handy stuff and of course yeah. of course zero c is 32 fahrenheit most, most yep. of us here know that one yeah right and 100 is 212 100 c is 212 oh, right boiling yeah, point yeah, yeah. you know yeah 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 and then all right since we're into it i'm gonna go ahead and do it please the way to get the way to get fahrenheit to celsius relatively quickly is take your fahrenheit number and double it okay Subtract 10% and add 32. So here's how it is. It's 10 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Double it is 20 minus 10% is 18. 18. So, you know, okay. 18 and 32, here's public math, is 50. So 10 is 50 degrees. Okay. Yeah. Double it, subtract 10%, add 32. Huh. All right. It's it's it doesn't work super. I mean, it's not Nat's uh, Nat's backside, but sure. But it's close enough. Very close. Yeah. yeah, it'll get you within a degree. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing yeah. that, Pete. That's yeah. uh, sorry. <laughs> Come out of that rabbit hole, folks. <laughs> no, it, that was a good rabbit hole. I like that's okay. a handy thing. Right. I mean, well, yeah. it's. I wish we had had this conversation three weeks ago because being in Europe for oh, right. ten days, I, like I was doing a lot of these conversions, but. You know, at some point, it's like yeah, whatever. You can do them on your on your Mac with yeah, uh, with Siri Spotlight. Will do them quickly, you know. And 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 you can ask your phone to do them with Siri. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, PJ in the chat points out that negative forty is where they meet. Uh, so negative okay. forty centigrade Celsius is negative forty Fahrenheit. So negative forty starts with an F and. That's how you remember. That's right. Yeah, and as you pointed out, Dave. um, So you can also do this in the uh, in the address bar in uh, Safari. You can type in something like one hundred F equals question C, and it will do the translation for you. Now, is that happening locally on your computer? Because if you if you do it in the Spotlight search command spacebar, it does it locally. If you do it in your equals question C. If you do it in the, the the bar, then you're leaving it up. You need an internet connection and a search engine to do it, right? Um, it says Google suggestions. There you so go. Yes. I so I assume yes. you're correct. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, because I don't use Google. I use DuckDuckGo, but it, it, yeah. it brought me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and don't, don't, don't even put this in the show notes, but because we're going to cover it again soon, I'm sure. But that's one of the many capabilities of Raycast. It'll do temperature, uh, oh, currency, okay. area, all that stuff. So all right. Raycast, I promise I'm going to cover is a cool thing. Okay. Some, it, it, that's but, just a teaser for today, Pete? Teaser for today. Yeah, okay. Raycast does many cool things. All right. Well, that's let's more. go. We, we mentioned Siri. Porthos John in our uh, Discord chat had a great quick tip about Siri. He says, uh, if you say, Siri, what's my update? It will tell you the weather today, what your first calendar appointment is for the day, and how many events you have, and then play the top stories from your preferred news sources. 
Uh, he suggests it as a good way to get your day going while you do your morning routine. If you are going to do this on your HomePod, and it will work on your HomePod, you need to have personal requests enabled for your HomePod, and uh, you probably need your phone on the same Wi-Fi network, uh, he, he presumes. But, of course, if, if, you're, if you're there, your phone is probably there with you and therefore uh, ready to roll. So, yeah, I like that one. That's good. I've never, I'd never, I never knew about that before. That's why, that's why it's a quick tip. It's great. Yeah. Pete, you got something for us? You noticed something uh, this morning. I, I, I did. Oh, are we talking the QR one? Yeah. Nope. We're talking, you oh. noticed that uh, you're, you're oh, in a yeah, hotel. There we are. Okay. There yeah. we are. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm back. I'm, uh, <laughs> How you doing? I was gone for a while. I'm back. Okay. There we Welcome go. Welcome back. Yeah. It's nice so to have this you. morning I'm, I'm in a hotel in Daytona Beach, uh, enjoying the sunshine and parents weekend with my daughter. And I went to use Sidecar for the so we would have the show agenda up on my iPad, and then when I went to use Continuity Camera with my iPhone, it went uh 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 uh. You must first disconnect Sidecar in order to use your Continuity Camera. And I went really okay. I'm smarter than this. I disconnected Sidecar. I turned on my Continuity Camera, and I went back to connect Sidecar, and it went error. <laughs> So you can't use both. Apparently, I found out the uh, the difficult way. Um, and I will also add. Well, I thought, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll use the Camo app to use the phone camera, and then I could the, use the third party reincubate Camo yeah. app. Yep. Yeah. And um, apparently, there's something funky going on in this particular hotel network. So some hotel networks, it's not going to let it connect. I, I could probably connect it USB, but then I'd have to disconnect my power because I only have two ports. I didn't bring my little uh, hub that's travel sitting dongle. on my desk at yeah. home where yeah where yeah travel docs is sitting on my desk at home where it belongs <laughs> there you go. and uh hey it's my first trip since october so uh you know help me well, out that's here. true yeah that's right <laughs> i've well it's your first trip other than ces let right, let us right. not forget yeah. that's true that's yeah. true Shh. yeah so anyway uh it turns out that some hotel networks won't let you use us or uh, i'm sorry wi-fi camo yeah it, that is um, I've experienced that too. There is an app that I love to use called remote for Mac from, uh, uh, Jenny Chirpak. Yeah. And it's great if, especially when I'm traveling because I wind up putting my Mac, you know, near the TV and then I use, I can use my phone to like control Plex, uh, on my Mac. Yeah. So it, it, it's great. You know, I can, I can be totally lazy about, about, you know, consuming whatever content I want from my uh, from, you know, my Mac with sure. the HDMI to TV and all that stuff worked great in the Airbnb we had in Italy. Uh, it works great. Obviously in my house, when I tested, it works great in most Airbnbs because they have more traditional Wi-Fi networks. Most hotels and certainly the one that you're in Pete, uh, have their network set up so that every device is that's connected to the Wi-Fi is isolated. Slightly. Yes. Yeah. And that's, which is a good thing. No, from a security standpoint, that's a fantastic thing. Because yeah. you don't want someone else being able to see that your Mac is there and you left file sharing on and now they can try and beat on the door all day while you're out and about with, with your daughter at Parents Weekend, right? So yeah. it, it's a good thing with the lone exception of, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, uh, if Remote for Mac could use Bluetooth, then that would work because that's an ad hoc connection. Sure. You could also do an ad hoc Wi-Fi network from your Mac and connect your phone to that. But I was thinking about that. Yeah, I was worried about what I the the, the direction I was thinking was just 
using my phone as a hotspot and doing it that way. And, oh, but that would have used a bunch of data for this. Correct. Five gigs a month. So. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. Interesting. Fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Don brings us our next quick tip. He, uh, he shares, he says, uh, I was listening to episode 965 and the opening quick tip about accessing QR codes from another device where you, my son took a picture, showed the picture on the photos app on his watch so that he could then scan the uh, QR code from his phone. Uh, he says, as you were stating in the tip, I, or as you were stating the tip, I assumed that you were going to say that you can use your phone to access QR codes, QR codes on your phone by long tapping them. Uh, because he says he tried it and he found a case where a QR code was part of a graphic in an email. He long pressed the image uh, to read what options were in the contextual menu and then chose to open quick look after which long pressing the QR code gives you the options to open the link in Safari, copy the link. It even shows the URL and he is correct for things that quick look recognizes in fact, you didn't even need to do the extra step if you just long press on a QR code in your email. If it has a link or something that Quick Look recognizes, then it will offer to bring you to that link or do all the things that Don mentioned. For what we did, because I tried this after we got Don's note, uh, we were using uh, the QR code to set up our, uh, our, our eSIM plans for, for when we were traveling in Europe for our data plans. And I tried it and it quick look does not know anything about uh, eSIM QR codes. So it has to be done with the camera, which is sort of weird. You would think that the same engine that the camera uses would be that. But no, it is not. Quick look is not smart enough. So try it. it. You know, if you get a QR code that you need to read on your iPhone, certainly try it. And and if that if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, well, you know, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So. Bluetooth it to your iPad and take a shot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or to your watch or, or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything. Like, go ahead, John. When I'm out and about, I do like in the camera being able to do either QR codes or live text. Yeah. Yeah. What do you use live text for? Um, reading the the uh, text on products in the store, especially if they're foreign. I don't know if it does Arabic. I mean, it certainly does English. I think I, I don't recall the languages that live text understands off the top of my head. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. John, uh, Pete, you want to take us to, uh, while we're on the subject of QR codes, you want to take us to Todd? I should. Yeah. Listener Todd writes, um, I I had created a QR of my business card as I don't carry them anymore. Uh, having a QR is good, but getting access to it quickly via the iPhone was a pain until we got multiple lock screens. Brilliant. I created a lock screen image with the QR code. Now, when I think I might need to share my info, I switched my lock screen to the QR code. And an additional tip, if you have notifications blocking the screen, simply drag them down to the bottom of the top, grab the topmost notification, uh, bring it, drag it down between the uh, flashlight and the camera on the lock screen buttons, and it will 
uh, it, they'll, those will disappear and you have full access to your lock code. Uh, I wrote him back, said, he, I'm a huge fan of QR codes. Uh, I use them all the time. In fact, I, I, I for those that are watching, uh, that's an example of, and I can't tell whether you see it or not. I don't have we can see it. But okay, yeah. So I, you can create. I use IQR app. It's available on the App Store for fourteen ninety nine, and there's an airplane in there. You can put any image you want in there, and and change the shape and the color, and put text in there. So yeah, Pete Pete things, showed a, so. a QR code that he had printed on a sticker, but it was created yeah. with this app. It it was a QR code like we would all recognize with uh, an airplane image in the middle of it. And then, of course, it's yeah. a link to his other podcast. Uh, so there I was dot us. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 So that was neat. And then Todd wrote back and said he uses uh, and I went and looked at it. It looks like a pretty cool uh, little app as well. It's called QR Factory. And he said he bought a lifetime uh, access to that for twenty nine ninety nine, And the link is in the show notes. Uh, and it looks like it does similar things. You can put images in there and, and manipulate it and change the size, the color, the shape, the shadowing. Um, the number one thing I've noticed in, in playing with this, you need high contrast, which makes sense when you think about it. You, in other words, you can't use a light blue on a light yellow and expect to get the the camera to pick up to the, pick it up. The sure. it yeah, that makes so, sense. Huh? Uh, but QR codes are fun. Have some fun with them. You know, when we were in Italy, we were in an Airbnb and as usual, they had given us. Ahead of time, the Wi-Fi name and password and, you know, all the instructions for using the unit and all that stuff. But when we got there on the wall right next to the door, they had printed an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that they laminated and stuck on the wall. And it had emergency contact information for the, the hosts. So which great, you mm -hmm. know, and a massive QR code on it that when scanned would offer to completely join you to their Wi-Fi network. Like you didn't have to do anything. You just scan the QR code and you're connected. I did it with my phone. I did it with my iPad. And the reason I had to do it with my phone and my iPad, because in the past, uh, what I've done when I get the, 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 the email from the Airbnb right. with the, with the Wi-Fi details is while I'm at home, I go to any of my computers, my laptop, my desktop, doesn't matter. And I go into system preferences and I'm being intentional about the words I'm choosing here. And I would go into Wi-Fi and I would add the network there. It would have time to populate and sync to all my devices. So when I arrived at the Airbnb, it would already be on my phone and I would just join and everything was smooth. Guess what you can't do in Ventura? System settings. Well, you can't add a Wi-Fi network manually that's not accessible to you at the time. You can add a Wi-Fi network, but you can't just go put the, the details in without being able to attach to the Wi-Fi network in the moment. It won't save them for you. Interesting. I can't find a way. So I had to do it when we got there, and that's why. But the QR code is great. When my, when my daughter and her boyfriend came over, uh, I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, just sign up for the Wi-Fi. And they were like, oh, this is great. So I definitely need to find some app that I can create a similar QR code for here. I'm going to put it on the beer fridge in my studio so that when people come over uh, to rehearse great. or whatever, I don't have five people saying, hey, what's the Wi-Fi? Can you help me? On the, you know, just scan right there. You're good to go. Yeah. So it, it, you're done. You're done. Yeah. It's great. Nice. Yeah. That's a great idea. And that gives me an idea that, uh, like my mother-in-law is staying at our house with our son this week, 
put a little QR code to a video. Here's how you operate the TV and the remote because I'm using, you know, channels. Oh, products, you know, that's right? a brilliant idea. Yeah. Here's a little video. Here's how you turn it on. Here's how you change channels. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to put a little video up on how to do it and I'll throw it on my server. And there's the QR code to that video. Run and play. Amazing. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Uh, In our chat, Mark M put a link to QRCodeGenerator.com. There's some hyphens in there. You don't have to worry. Just go to MacGeekHub.com. We'll link you there. It is a free QR code generator. And he sent us a link to their very specific template for creating a Wi-Fi QR code. So we will put that in the show notes, too. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I agree. Man, I think great listeners here on Discord. <laughs> What's that? And finally, the Eero app offers that as well. Is that Last right? Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Where do you go to do that on the Eero app, John? Mm. Uh, well, if you're going to share it on the show, <laughs> you got to, you got to, I mean, we teach here. We don't just refer. So I'm guessing if you go and I'm, and I am guessing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know where to go, John. Are you sure the Eero app does this? I know there was a screen I saw that had a QR code on it, so. Hmm. Well, it is up to you to figure that out at some point when we're not doing something to which you need to pay attention <laughs> on the show. Uh, yeah, right. I don't I don't see it in here. I'm I'm sort of scrolling through the Eero um the ah there it is so going to settings and this is weird because like it's 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 not where i would predict it to be but it sort of makes sense you go in the Eero app go to settings go to guest network i have my guest network disabled but in the guest network page there is a tab for main network and on that also on the guest network uh there is the share qr code and uh Boom. There it is. I, I have it up on my screen. So I'm going to take a screenshot of that and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll file that away for, uh, for later use. So nice. Fine. Good. Fun stuff. I love this. Love this. Love this. Love this. Love this. All right. Uh, let's see. Adam is next with uh, a tip for us. We love these tips. Um, if you are using a microphone in macOS Ventura, visit your control center. You will see a setting for mic mode, and you get to set it for standard or voice isolation. This works with third-party microphones. I tested this. It works with, of course, the internal mic, but I was shocked to see that it works with third-party microphones because it means that whatever Magic Apple is doing to do voice isolation is happening uh, is able to happen without their own hardware in the mix, which I thought was pretty amazing. Uh, and it will let you pick the mode per app that is using the mic. So I had two things using the mic, which is pretty rare, I suppose, that you would have two things yeah. using the mic. But I had Zoom open when Adam told me about this, and then uh, and then I opened Audio Hijack and and you know started a session in there and i got two options two sets of options i could choose standard for zoom and voice isolation for audio hijack or vice versa so yeah so what uh what what is voice isolation sound master um it it's it, it 
near as I could. I don't know. So let me start there. <laughs> well, okay. it, it could mean different things to, no. to to different engineers, and I don't know what it meant to Apple's engineers. I haven't tested it enough to say okay. what it's doing. Uh, there are two things that I think it's doing. Number one is it boosts the EQ uh, from about, uh, you know, probably 700 in the, in the frequency range of the human voice it's in the frequency range of the human voice, probably, you know, somewhere around one to two K would be my guess. Okay. Um, okay. and then it all, I think it's also doing some, uh, listening for baseline sounds and sort of suppressing background noise. I don't know okay. if it's doing the latter. It's definitely doing the former where it's enhancing okay. those, those frequencies. Well, I'm wondering would I hurt things if I were to switch to that now, as we were speaking, you know what, try it, Pete, switch to yeah, it. Let's okay. see what happens. So I'm going to do a test count to five, one, two, three, four, five, and I hit the word three. I switched to voice isolation. Probably not much going on there, but I did turn off the uh, are you are you still before. on voice isolation? I just switched to voice isolation when I hit three. Yeah. So okay, we heard your audio sort of jitter a little right. bit, which okay. makes sense. And yeah. you're still on it now. I am still on it now. Yes. So probably no real difference. But go ahead and switch back. Okay. Well, let me. Where's that silly setting? There it is. Uh, I'll switch on three. One, two, three, four. Well, it won't switch back. Now you're switched back. Here it switched back. Yes, took a, took three or four clicks to switch back on um, back to standard. All right, yeah, your your things like got a little. It there is a transition period where things are not quite right. Okay, uh, but you're also doing a bunch of like you're capturing audio. Like there's there's a lot going on there. It's really crunching a lot of numbers. It, yeah, so I don't hear a a marked difference, but you're also using a dynamic microphone aimed right at your mouth, like right. I am. Like, so. I, yeah, I'm not hearing a whole and lot I of different turn off the air conditioning fan before we started the show. So that right, would be a, right. Other option. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll leave it alone for now, but yeah, I yeah. Thought... <laughs> here's where we learn live folks. No, I like it. I like doing these kinds of things live. I, I wouldn't mess with the core audio on my Mac right now. I, by the way, uh, I know I mentioned it in the last episode, so I will, I will share a quick follow-up. I did a ton of testing this week. I, I dedicated like four hours on Wednesday, uh, the first thing that I did was instead of wiping this machine to start my tests, I went down to the office. Uh, now, this machine in the studio is an Intel i9 2019 iMac. My machine in the office is an M1 Mini. I created an aggregate audio device on that and tried my tests. My tests are start capturing audio in a way that I can hear it real time live so I know when there's a, an issue and I launch an app like Apple's music app that will instantiate a connection to core audio. And it doesn't matter what app I launch as long as it's something that will open up its own connection. As if I am using an aggregate audio device uh, for input, output, or both, it doesn't matter. Uh, the audio will stutter for between a half a second and five seconds when a new, a new connection is made to core audio. This happens on M1, happens on Intel. I did all kinds of testing to see if I could make it better or worse. And you really can't. Um, it's just the way it is. If you're not using an aggregate audio device, the problem is almost not there. So something has changed between Monterey and Ventura in terms of how uh, core audio's efficiency, especially when dealing with aggregate audio devices. So 
I'll keep you posted on my progress, but part of that progress might involve a temporary loop back to, um, uh, to Monterey. So, all right, uh, moving on to uh, LLMMD in our Discord, who shared a tip. He says, uh, he or she, I don't know, they said to add custom system sound effects to the Mac. Look in your home library folder for a sounds folder. If one doesn't exist, create one. Put your custom sound effects in this folder in AIFF format. What's AIFF? Audio interchange file format. Uh, it was developed by Apple in 88 based on Electronic Arts IFF used in Amiga systems. Interesting. You can convert uh, common audio file types to AFF using online converters and, and other things like that. So uh, that's interesting. I uh, That way. And then you can use those in the sound effects for your system system wide. So, yeah, pretty good stuff. I like it. Yeah. Good. That's good. No, that's great stuff. Cool. Uh, there's, uh, you know, sound effects like say that like that right yeah but that you're triggering from a third-party app this would, this would indeed. be this would be system sound you could call it up in system settings correct correct so when you get a new email it would do that because you know because everyone loves hearing every time they get a new email exactly <laughs> please turn that sound yeah off. yeah yeah i beg you all right um Ooh. one more from uh porthos john with uh with in, in the quick tips category he uh he says i've been reading up on uh gan chargers for power delivery and uh, any of them including the new apple charger that comes with the m2 macbook air that have multiple ports have a quirk when you plug in another device to them all power output will be cut off while the internal circuit determines how to redistribute power amongst the devices that are plugged in. While this usually isn't a problem, he says, I had a Raspberry Pi reboot on me because it was plugged into a power delivery port on my charger, and when I added my laptop, poof, the Raspberry Pi rebooted. So that's interesting. It makes sense that the, that the circuit needs to sort of re-decide how to, how to send power out, but um, I, good to know. Thank you for that. Yeah, Heads up. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. John, you said you tried this with one of yours and that didn't happen. Um, no. Oh, I thought in pre, sorry, I must've misunderstood. I thought in pre-show you said that this does not happen with, with something your, about a renegotiated. It, yeah, something. but it didn't, it didn't cut power to the port. It just renegotiated things. Maybe I misunderstood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. All right, cool. Uh, moving on, we got one quick tip left from, well, we think we have one quick tip left yeah. <laughs> from, from Jamie, also from our discord, um, a quick tip for Synology users. If you want to send a file to anyone securely, you can use your disk station to do so. You go in to the disk station web interface, DSM, go to file station, right click on any file and select share. You will get a sharing link that you can use to access the file. You also get a chance to set a password and or access count and expiration dates for the link. You can then email the link to someone uh, and then give them the password through a phone call so that you can have sort of a two-factor thing going on if you want. The recipient does not need an account on your Synology disk station. Uh, so, yeah, very, uh, very. Well, that's huge. Yeah. I've... You know, I think I've done that before. I've played with that before, but. 
that's a good one to remember. Yeah. No, it's it's a great I've I've done this. I've been doing this for years and never yeah. thought to mention it in the show. And then, of course, when I saw Jamie's note, it was like, well, obviously we need to share this. That this is the definition of a quick tip. The uh, the bonus quick tip here is that you can also request a file from someone in a similar way. Again, go into Distasen Manager, go into File Station, uh, right click on a, a folder. I gotta find it here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right click on a folder and select Create File Request, uh, and then you can send a link to someone. They can use that to to send the file up to you, and and you're uh, you're good to go. So yeah. Yeah, like it. And and Mark M in Discord says it also works if you use Synology Drive client on the desktop. And I'm pretty sure I thought, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not seeing it now. I thought you could get a link or something like that to a specific file. You can. Yeah. You right okay. right click it in the if if it is a folder oh. that's synced with your disk station, you right click it uh in in the finder and you should get yep. the, the link to the the option to create a shareable link. I will that, say that that has been unreliable for me in over the years, so much so that I don't even attempt to do things that way anymore. But uh, okay. maybe it's better now. They've they've updated the Synology Drive app recently. It's an it's a Apple Silicon native app now, whereas previously it was it was running in Rosetta. So maybe it's better now. I, I, Mark M, you have inspired me to. Uh, to reset my trust definition with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But yeah, you can right click the file that's on a Synology drive and, and down near the bottom is get link. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Permissions public. Yeah. Cool. You know, there's nothing worse than going into a doctor's appointment, expecting to be the center of attention. And then your doctor seems like they've got better things to do and better places to be. Instead of listening to you intently, asking you how you feel and helping you along, the doctor is checking the clock, looking at the computer, distracted. We've been there, right? With our sponsor, ZocDoc, you're going to find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed. Take your insurance and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you've got a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor that you haven't yet met. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who's patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. I've used ZocDoc, too. It works amazingly well. you got to check it out. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within just 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MGG, ZocDoc.com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Hey, I got a question for you. What's the most powerful untapped resource in IT? Do you know? I do. It's your end users. And our sponsor, Collide, with a K, is an endpoint security solution that uses that resource. Old school device management tools like MDMs force those disruptive software agents onto your employees' devices. They slow your performance. They treat privacy as an afterthought. 
Collide does things differently. Instead of forcing changes on users, Collide uses Slack to notify your team when their devices are insecure and gives them step-by-step instructions on how to solve their problems. It's kind of like what we do here with MGG, right? And by reaching out to employees with these uh, friendly Slack messages, Collide educates them about company policies, and that helps you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security because everyone understands the how and why you're doing it. For IT admins, Collide provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet, whether you're running Mac, Windows, Linux, and that visibility makes it easy to prove compliance to your customers, your leadership, your auditors. You can meet your compliance goals by putting your end users first. Visit collide.com slash MGG to find out how. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. Collide.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, listener Peter brings us to our first question of the day. Peter writes, uh, after one of your suggestions, I have been rebooting my Wi-Fi mesh system. Uh, he, he's been doing it each night at 3 a.m. I, I recommend w- once a week is, is more than enough. But uh, anyway, we, we move on. He says, uh, I have a Deco system that's about five years old. And for the most part, this reboot works well. However, I have an issue. I have a built-in Wi-Fi with my Fios router that is generally just there if I need a backup. When the Deco goes down, my Mac Mini picks up the Fios Wi-Fi and attaches to that. Generally, it doesn't matter. It is wired via Ethernet. However, printing won't work because the printer is on the Deco's Wi-Fi network. I th- my thought was to set up some automation to switch the Wi-Fi back to the Deco at some given time each day, say 7 a.m., and I hope there was a shortcut via the app to do this. However, it doesn't appear so. It seems there are some apps that may do what I want, but I was hoping to keep it to something more native. Also, I was thinking this might be a problem with the preferences list of Wi-Fi networks, and this is becoming quite opaque now in Ventura. However, I realize this is a simple case of my Mac Mini saying, I don't see my preferred network, but this other one's available. I'll take it. Even though the preferred one became available again, it doesn't automatically switch back. Um. So you could set your Mac to not auto join the Wi-Fi network from your router and 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 then you could choose it manually if you wanted. But that might be the easiest solution for the exact scenario that you are in. Your Mac's connected via Ethernet, so you don't need to worry about that. Uh, you've got that other Wi-Fi network there. So going into system settings in Ventura and setting it to not auto join that network would would be one way of doing it. Um, however, I'm, I'm wondering here if your Mac is connected to ethernet, um, where, like where, how is the network split up is, and where is it connected to ethernet would be my question. Because if the printer is connected to the Wi-Fi via the, the, your deco, your mesh system, your computer should be connected to the same Ethernet as that. That would be my uh, ad- advice here so that you have just one network. If the Ethernet connected Mac can't see the Wi-Fi connected printer, it tells me that you've got at least two networks. And maybe you're connecting your Mac to Ethernet via the 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 router. And, and so it's it's that sort of side of the family. But I would look for a way 
to connect your Mac to the Ethernet of the the Deco system so that it's all kind of as one because it, it there there is a bridge. All routers these days create a bridge between their Ethernet and their Wi-Fi. So I, I I'm I'm thinking that might be a better path to solving this and other sort of niggling problems that you might wind up with down the road. I don't so, so, so pick me, um, Pete, <laughs> pick me, ooh, 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 pick me. So I'm just kind of curious. Um, is, and I'm way over my head here. I'm, I'm Oh, same. Got the water at my nose level. Yeah. Uh, was, I don't think we are with your uh, level on the, you and John on networking. Um, is this a different subnet mask or something that's going on in there? Because, yes. okay. Yeah, okay. no, that's your no, and I'm glad you asked that question because I oh. I sort of glossed over that. Um, yeah, it, you know, let, I, and I I don't know what his his subnets right. are, but right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some up. Let's say that his FiOS router puts him on 10.0.1.x as a network, and his Deco puts him on 192.168.1.x as a network. So his Mac, in theory. Uh, and in practice could be connected to both of those networks simultaneously. Uh, you get to pick which one it's going to use as the priority. And it doesn't matter whether this is, you know, ethernet or what, uh, by setting the service order in, uh, in, in, in Ventura, it's slightly different, but it's sort of the same. Now it wasn't there. It, it, I, I don't think this option existed when Ventura came out 13.0, but now going to system settings network, and down in the lower right, you'll see three dots with a downward pointing carrot. You can choose set service order there and decide whether Ethernet or Wi-Fi is the preferred. That's going to be what it uses for connecting to the Internet. That's how it's going to prioritize that. If you have local devices that are only on one or the other, it will just find those because they're using different subnet masks and, and or different subnets entirely, not just the mask. Yeah. Different subnet yeah. entirely. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, that's... Uh... Because there's that, and I think I did this, but it it may be in a little different. So your your Eros and your Decos, one of them has to be Ethernetted in, right? They yes. They won't just repeat a Wi-Fi. So Correct. one of them has to be Ethernetted in. So that's the way I've set it up. And then uh, I talked last week, I think, about having to reset my uh, router completely once Fidium came online. Yep. And uh, so, and as I did that, I, it offered me as I was going through all the settings, Oh, you want to create a network printer? I'm go, Oh, let's just do that. I've, though I've never done it before. It's always just been on our Wi-Fi. Sure. And once I did that, then none of the printing worked and I have no idea why it didn't work. But as soon as I deleted that network printer from the router, then it all came back to normal. So we can print throughout the house. And, and we talked about it being an air print and I mean, you know, yeah. it, it's an air print already. So, yeah. um, it, it quickly gets convoluted. I it does get convoluted. I, I, uh, ooh, pick me, pick me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I no, I have a thought as we're, as we're going through this for Peter, uh, not you, Peter, the, the, the yeah, Peter the listener. Yeah. Uh, if I were in this scenario and, uh, and I, I, I am not, so I can't say for certain that this would be the best solution, but one solution I would certainly probably the, pri the, pri my priority would be to explore, uh, having just one network. It really is best to have just one network. With the Fios routers, you you often cannot turn off that oh, network, yeah. right? So yeah. I, what I would do is, again, I would explore doing this. There might be reasons not to, 
but I would put my decos in bridge mode and not have them be routers. And that way, in my example before, when I connected to my deco, I would get a one of those 10.0.1.x IP addresses from the Fios router on the connections that I make to the deco system because it's not trying to be a router. It's just letting me pass things through. So that would be my advice here. Bridge mode would be best. Now, you might prefer the way the decos manage a network versus the way the Fios manages a network. And so then you sort of are in a scenario where you have to choose, do I want this double NAT thing or not? Double NAT meaning your deco is getting an address from the Fios and then creating its own subnet off of that. So you essentially have two versions of a subnet. That's non-optimal. Um, so I, I would, I would, I would put your decos in bridge mode. And, and I'm, yeah, glad, one, I'm glad we had this conversation, but go, you know, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. one other quick oh. networking question then. Um, and I think, I think it's true, but like I have one or two devices that are on the 2.4 gig, uh, only that's sure. as much as they're capable. And then of course on the, so I have those two networks, but I think they can still see each other, even though they're on separate bands. Oh yeah. On the same network. yeah. Yeah. Because your router, just like, just like your router. Yeah. Well, and just like your router bridges Ethernet to Wi-Fi, your your router also bridges 2.4 gigahertz to 5 gigahertz so that it can see everything. Now, what we were talking about before with the issue that you're having in your hotel, that many, not all, many home routers can be set to not let devices see each other and not bridge those things. But right. that would drive you crazy because then you wouldn't be able to see your other devices. And you wouldn't right. Want that. Well, and I know what it offers if I turn on my guest network, it says, hey, do you want your guest network to be able to see your network? That's that's a clear option in there. And right. generally speaking, right. you want to say, no, I don't want you screwing around in my printer and in my disk drive, you know, my Synology drive, that sort of thing. No, no, that's you're here for network access or Internet access only not to play around on my network. So I would yeah. separate that out. But right. that's just me. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. <sighs> Fun stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Uh, yeah. I ow, miss I learned being. Oh, I miss Sorry. being able to prioritize Wi-Fi networks because that was going to be my initial answer, but then I like your answer better. The uh, the bridging. Thing. Yeah. Just bridge it, and then you don't have. Then it's just like it's. It takes the headache out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Moving on to question number two, Jeremy asks, I think Jeremy asks, right. Yes. Uh, I've had, uh, this issue for several OSs Now I can't recall when it started. I have four external hard drives on my 13 inch 2020 MacBook pro, uh, one for time machine, one for carbon copy cloner, one for project backups and one for photos and music. Here's the issue. Every time I eject them all, I get an error message on my Mac saying the disk, music and photos, wasn't ejected because one or more programs may be using it. To eject the disk immediately, click the force eject button. No apps are open that would use this disk, i.e. music's not open, nor is photos. And I have even tried quitting all of my apps one by one to try and pinpoint a culprit to no avail. There's a related issue that may or may not be related. The drive for carbon copy. Oh, yeah, that's, I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Um, so this makes sense if you are using iCloud Photo Library, because then there is always a background process running whatever your user, whenever your user account is logged in. 
And that's almost certainly the reason you're seeing this message. Of course, if you had the music app or the photos app open, you would also get this message because they are using that drive. But even if they're not open, if you've got that iCloud photo library going, uh, it has a background process that is always syncing your photos library with iCloud. And you can confirm this. Um, you, it, it requires a little bit of the terminal. And I'll put the command in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, but it would be um, LSOF is really the command to use. And that's list open files. I like to then take LSOF and pipe it into the grep command so that it shows. And I, I, I grep is just a search uh, pattern match really is the right way to, to think of grep. And so I would say LSOF and the pipe character, which will all be in the show notes, grep space, and then the name or some part of the name, unique name of my drive. And that will then only show me the open files that match that pattern, which are only the files on that drive. And you can see not only what files are open, but what process they belong to. And so for me, I did this on mine and photo library D came up uh, as the, as the name of the process, which makes perfect sense. And that's why, um, I, I, that's why this is happening. So, um, I, 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 there's in order to be able to see your photos, uh, or to, to eject that drive, you'd have to log out of your Mac or you'd have to choose to keep your photos on your internal drive. And if you don't have enough space for them, you could turn on optimize storage in iCloud photos, and then it would only keep the ones that it can fit on there. A nice workaround ish. If you want to do that is to create a second user account, have that second user account, log into your same iCloud account, have it connect to your photos library, have it store the photos library on the external drive. And, okay. and then that way when you're home, and you're connected to everything, you can go and log in as that and let it sync all your stuff up. You keep your local copy of your photos. But when you log out of that account, it's no longer using that drive. You can eject them. You can take your thing with you. You can still access your photos on the road because you have your in your main account. You have your optimized version of your photos library. So that's my that's my work, my suggested workaround for uh, folks that are doing that. Or if you have, yeah, there you go, Pete. If you have a desktop Mac, uh, you can you can just do the photo library syncing on that one, and 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 then your laptop is sort of free to be your laptop. So anyway, that's uh, that's my yeah, that's my thought on that. Well, that's nice. I'll tell you, that's big thing. All the years ago, they went to having the iCloud drive, being able to hold all of those. How many people lost photos when a hard drive crashed? I oh, mean, yeah. baby photos and, you know, yeah. precious memories that can't be replaced. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's brilliant that they did that. But. Yep. So, but yeah, the second account is, is it's the best workaround I've that's come up great. with. Yeah. 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 So there we go. That's what, uh, that's what we got. And um, is my computer set to, did it reset my audio? No, it's not on echo cancellation. Yeah, you, seem, you seem to be okay. Yeah. I didn't hear any changes that time. Oh, you have echo cancellation on. That, that's why. Okay. I just turned it off for you. It's fine. I do. You did. Yeah. Oh. 
Probably because you set up a new mic. But now we can have a much more natural conversation because if we wind up talking over each other, it doesn't start cutting you in and out. Um, so, gotcha. yeah, there you go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Echo cancellation is great if you're using speakers, but when you're using headphones, you don't need it. Mm. Hopefully. Right. Hopefully. All right. Uh, up next. Up next, John. Sylvain has a time travel tip. Well, it's not really time travel. I just thought I'd say that. Um, just found something new I didn't know. Okay, there are many things I don't know. Um, in Safari on Mac OS, if you hold the command key and click on the back or forward button, it will open a new tab with the previous or next visited page. That okay. is cool. Huh. I, I didn't know. I, you know. I'm pressing the command button and the arrow buttons when I tried it. and then I, No, no. Click on the actual back button up on the browser itself on the screen. Ah, okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. Huh. I, I wish you had flagged this as a quick tip. This make this this fits the quick tip uh, section of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, oddly, it's not working for me on the mini. And then I looked in the history menu, and there are back and forward options that are command left bracket, command right bracket. Uh, huh? Why is you know that what else it different? works on? It works on Chrome. Does it really, Pete? I, I, I don't just know. tried it, yeah. Huh. That's a good tip. I like it. I didn't know it worked. I, you know, I thought I was on Safari, and I look, oh, yeah, you're on Chrome, dude. There it is. <laughs> right on. There it is. Uh, all right. Uh, while we are on the subject of shortcuts and such, listener Andrew, I, I, I love this. And he shared this in Discord, and I'll put a link in the show notes to... Uh, the Discord chat where where he talked about this, so you can see it because it it really is one of those things that's worth uh, seeing. He says, um, and he's got a whole link to to an article about uh, how he created this. But he says, I am a self confessed button pusher. Uh, I know I can control control most things on my iPhone via Siri, but sometimes I forget it exists. I then go pecking on my iPhone for uh, what I want. Music, he says, is one such thing i grew up in the 70s and 80s when push button radios were a thing that is radios with physical or mechanical buttons that landed you on the station you wanted to listen to and he said he wanted to replicate that on his phone so with apple's shortcuts uh he created shortcuts for categories apple playlists and it makes them seem like radio stations so he's got shortcuts i mean he's got a whole page of these on his phone shortcuts for you know, jazz, classical, piano music, you know, his his uh, different radio stations that he listens to through music. It like it's any he, and he talks through um, the, the way you do this is you add a shortcut and you make the shortcut play music and then you hit the music uh, and thing and you hit you choose a source and then you're good to go. It, it's uh, he's got all the instructions there, but I, I just love the um, love the idea of just being able to get right to a, it's sort of think about this as a deep link to music, right? So you could launch the music app and then go and pick the things you want to listen to, or you can pre-pick them and just deep link it and click that and shortcuts will take you right there. Brilliant. Andrew, I'm disappointed noticing those screenshots. I didn't see one button for the Mac geek gab or for, so there I was, oh. I'm just saying, can you do deep links to the podcasts app? Why not? 
Well, I don't know. It might. I mean, it might not be a thing that Apple lets you do. I would think you could get it through Apple Music. Can you? No, no. Podcasts are not in Apple Music. Podcasts are in the podcast app. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. I thought they would do both. Okay. If you wanted a deep link for the Mac Geek App show, then you just download the Mac Geek App app from the App Store. It's free. And, you know, there you go. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. But, yeah, I don't know if the podcast app... Like if shortcuts can do deep links to the podcast app, Good I, it, point. maybe yeah. like I, I haven't tried it. I'm not going to try it. My right guess now. is it could, but yeah, we, we don't have time. Right. Now. Well, I mean, we have time. It's, it's the, if I launch the no podcast app, wondering. Yeah. well, if I launch the podcast app, my audio is almost certainly going to cut out and then it's going to yeah. start. Yeah. It's, it's going to be yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. John, you got another tip mm-hmm. uh, from Ken. Yeah, I think I do. So, um, Ken says, uh, in show 964, you talked about using Terminal to start up a Mac. I use Carbon Copy Cloner. I schedule a backup in the early AM and select Wake System with a scheduled time. Very clever. People are finding ways to use CCC um, as a replacement for the stuff that used to be in Finder. So that's why I just thought I'd mention this. Um, yeah. Well, in system, yeah, system so, preferences, someone in the past, not Finder. Uh, right? Hmm? Not Finder, System Preferences to wake your... Or System Preferences, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, and we had a user in the past show suggested using CCC for a restart. It can do that system task, too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I do what Ken says, um, is that I'll wake up my machine at... uh, I'll do a CCC backup at 3 in the morning, and it schedules the task to do that, and then I put it back to sleep when it's done. I don't have to, but I do. So here's the thing, though. You don't have to do that. Uh, Mike Bombick taught us years ago that you can tell CCC, like like we've discussed here, to automatically wake up your Mac at the time of the backup. You know, you set a 3 a.m. backup or whatever. And and then it, you know, it wakes it up and does the backup exactly at 3 a.m. That will cause your Mac to wake up proper, meaning the screen will come alive. And this is why we found out about this years ago, but it, but it's applicable here. You can also set it not to wake up your Mac and to do it. And I forget the, the exact terminology of the option, but there's only like three options. And one of them is do it the next time my Mac wakes up after 3 a.m. That's effectively what you're choosing. If you choose that, it will do exactly as it says. And your Mac Uh, You could certainly be the one to wake it up. And if you are, then your screen will come on and all of those things happen. However, your Mac also wakes itself up every, I think it's every 108 minutes, but it might be more frequently than that now uh, to do its own little background tasks of sorts. Your laptop even does this uh, while it's in clamshell mode, asleep closed. It'll do time machine backups that way. And the nice part about this is when it wakes itself up in the background, it does not turn your screen on. So if you set Carbon Copy Cloner to just do its backup the next time your Mac wakes itself up, it will do it certainly within, you know, an hour or less of when the scheduled time is and and you're and, and then you're not waking your Mac up unnecessarily. So just a uh, little a little tip. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, let me find this in Carbon Copy Cloner. I, I, yeah, because I, I also I also do a Time Machine one. Yeah, but that's using Power Nap, so right. I think it does what you just said. It it doesn't turn on the screen because it's doing its own little background. Thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm looking here. Where is the schedule? So I have a carbon copy cloner backup. Uh, and the option that I'm choosing is in the system wake or power on behavior section. There's five options. One is wake the system, but skip tasks when the system is off. The second is wake or power on the system. The third is run when the system next wakes. Uh, the fourth is run when the system next wakes or powers on. And then the, the last is, of course, skip this task if the system's asleep or uh, off. So um, I, I, I'm curious, this, this, has anybody, have either of you guys had your Mac automatically power on since you upgraded to Ventura? Because I have my Mac, prior to Ventura, I set my, my Macs to wake up, uh, wake up or power on every day at 7 a.m. And the reason I did this was because if the power goes out and I'm not home, I and for whatever reason, my Mac doesn't wake at or restart after a power outage, which it should. It's set to do that, but it doesn't always. Then it will try to wake itself at 7 a.m. every day. And my power, we didn't talk about this in the last episode, but when we were in Europe, my power went out like three times. We had like snowmageddon here and my studio iMac here and my Mac in the office did not come on while I was away. Um, I almost called you Pete and asked you to come over oh, and turn yeah. one of them on. But it, and then I realized it's really not that important, but, uh, but yeah, it, it like they were off. And they stayed off until I turned them on. And then as soon as I turned them on, I launched the terminal and did PM set dash G sked. Uh, I'll put that command in the show notes too. Cause yeah. now that I said it, that that's how you get to see what, uh, what your system thinks it's going to do when it wake, you know, uh, for the schedule. And it was there wake power on at 7am every day. It's like the, it's set. So I unset it and reset it. I guess I need to turn one of my computers off and see if it'll turn on at 7 a.m. But um, I yeah, know. I have not had mine come on, but it, my laptop, you know, it, it's on and off all the time. I don't notice it. I need to check my Mac mini and see, because that's really the one that I need. That would be the one. Be exactly. A, be a reliable machine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and then I wonder if I can, I should be able through Tailscale to, to log into it and, and log it in. Right. Scale. Like yes. just sitting at the login yes. screen, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay. as long as you don't have File Vault on, yes. Because mm, if you got File Vault on, then you're stuck at the File Vault screen and nothing's running, so you're yeah, not. That's true, yeah. yeah. Tail scale isn't up yet. Correct, correct. But as long as you're not running File Vault uh, on it, then yes, you could get to the login. It would bring you to the login screen with Tail Scale. I think. Yeah. I think that's a good question, mm. Pete. Uh, Does Tail okay. Scale start? When does I think no I th I don't think you would see tail I think tail scale is run starts later as a user process yeah I think so yeah and Brian Monroe says it sounds like another Mac OS uh, Vista I mean Ventura bug uh, yeah the the not <laughs> it's not a bug on. it's a feature Brian yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, where where do you set oh, what they've changed this so many times but i'm pretty sure tail scale launches at user login and so no it wouldn't be running if you're not logged in so you would have to vpn into your network another way yeah mark and then, m says real vnc would do it um you know starts before the user yeah so, i don't yeah. think tail scale does 
No, I don't think it does either. I seem to, in fact, yeah. I seem to recall watching it log in after it, I boot up. Yeah, in the preferences, the option is start on login. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, your Mac Mini though is running as like your your Plex server and your channel server and yes. all that stuff. Yes. So and so, I don't need File Vault on that. Well, but it's well, you don't. Yeah, you probably don't, and you don't want it because you want it to come up, but. In order yes. to run the Plex server and the channel server, you need to auto log into an account anyway. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, otherwise. I need, yeah, I need to do it or it isn't going to run. It's yeah, not going to run. I, so I'm out on the road and I get a power failure and it's going to come back up to the login screen. And that's it. It's going to come up to your, yeah, it, it, yeah, the login screen or if you're running File Vault to your, to your File Vault screen. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, think, yeah. You just set it to auto login. Basically remove the password on that machine. Well, no, don't remove the password. Just set it to auto log in. You can you can do you can have a password and choose an account to auto log in. I did not know that. Yeah, okay. see, there's things right. we learn every time yeah. we do this show, what are you man. Too right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You beat me to the ding. I did beat me to the ding. If anybody was looking for the title of the show, there it is. That's it. You beat yeah. me to the ding. I like it. Uh, all right. And go. To wrap it up here, um, if you want to see a list of not only scheduled events, but repeating events, system information, hardware, power, um, and it shows more than the command that you gave, Dave, so I just wanted to mention it. So it shows both of the ones that PM set showed, but it also shows a restart event, which you have to now schedule via the terminal, right? Yes. No, I... That I'm so glad you mentioned that, John. I because I another listener, maybe it was maybe it was this interchange with Ken or it was with somebody else, just mentioned that in passing, and I was like, "What? I had no idea." Yeah, you get to see when, like, like you said, it shows way more than what that terminal command shows. It'll show when it's say that again, so they don't have to rewind. System information, hardware. Scroll down to the power section. It will show you the next few scheduled like wake up events. And it could be an app that wants, you know, time on the CPU to do a thing or what like yeah, it's 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 I, I was blown away when I saw that there. That that is new to Ventura, I'm pretty sure, right? I haven't seen yeah. that in the past. No, no it's, I've seen it in the past. Really? Oh. All right. They may have had it in a different spot because I'm like, well, is that really the right place to put it? It's like, yeah, I guess, right. I guess it's. All right, I'm is. sorry, I'm lost. Not system settings, system information. Yes, correct. So about, oh, so about. Yeah, this go Mac. go to about this Mac. Choose yeah. more info, and yep. then that and then will down to power. No, then that will launch the general section of system settings, and way at the bottom of that screen, you choose system report. A faster way to get there <laughs> is to. Option, click the Apple menu and choose system information. Well, there's that. <laughs> right? Super easy. Yeah, ding. You beat me to the ding again. <laughs> I beat you to the ding again. Yeah. But yeah, then go to, once you're in system information, however you choose to get there, go to in the power section, uh, the power subsection of hardware, and you will see power events and reading repeating events. And mine says, wake or power on at 7 a.m. every day. Restart at 7.15 a.m. on Thursdays. Uh, it restarts at 7.15 on Thursdays. Let me look. Yep. One day, four hours. So it's Friday now while nice. we're recording this anyway. So, yeah. Nice. Well, yep. I didn't realize they'd been so hard to find system information. 
I yeah, I agree. It used to be more direct. Yeah, one click yeah. on more information. Boom, there you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got a show for those of you who are interested in home automation. I think that's kind of all of us here. It's the Home Assistant Podcast. If you're looking to get started with home automation or looking to get inspired by some neat things that people are doing with their smart homes, then look no further. The Home Assistant Podcast has you covered. From automating your lights and thermostats to integrating smart appliances and security systems, they've got all the tips and tricks you need to transform your home into a high-tech paradise. Listen in and hear their thoughts on automating beer kegerators, integrating Apple's HomeKit, using home automation to get your kids to do their own chores. I I need to learn this. And even some interesting conversations on how you can use smart homes to help folks living with disabilities. And on their YouTube channel, there's also a bonus second show called All Things Smart Home, which talks about general home automation concepts, ideas, and updates. Whether it's to simplify your life, save on energy, or just tame your kids, if home automation is something you've been thinking of doing and want to be inspired then join hosts Phil Hawthorne and Rohan Karamandi on the Home Assistant Podcast and All Things Smart Home Show, available on YouTube or anywhere you subscribe to your podcast. Visit hkmedia.io slash subscribe for all the links and our thanks to Phil and Rohan for doing this swap with us. All right, time for a, a couple of maybe maybe a few cool stuffs found uh, before we say goodbye here Porthos John has one. I think this is the third time we're mentioning something from you today in the episode. Porthos John, he says, listening to episode 965, I thought I'd offer this, the Otau 200-watt GAN charger. It has three USB-C PD ports and two USB-A ports with gobs of power. The coolest part is that on the side of the charger is a small LCD that shows you volts Amps and watts for each port. It's also UL listed. I have no idea how long, but at the moment, he says it has a $40 coupon on Amazon that drops it down to, uh, to well, it doesn't exist anymore, so it doesn't matter. It's $129 at the moment uh, on Amazon. But uh, yeah, this thing is cool, man. These, uh, the, the port, the, 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 you know, LCD readout shows you how much power each port's using. Like I, I need to decide where I want this because most of my chargers like this wind up on the floor somewhere, right? This one definitely deserves to be displayed somewhere, but uh, yeah, five ports, man, I don't know. I don't know where it belongs, but it belongs somewhere in my life folks. So I'm into it. It's pretty cool. You don't even, yeah. you don't even need a, uh, you know, one of those inline, uh, whatchamacallits, right? Mm-hmm. Power meter. Power meter. That's the one. Yep. Uh, While we're on the subject of cool stuff found, Mark M. shares uh, Uptime Kuma, which is a free open source engine to track when your devices and servers go offline. It's, It's hosted at GitHub, but you just download it and install. You tell it to monitor servers, and then it, uh, it, it tells you when they've it, it, it keep tra- keeps track of their history and also tells you when when the devices have gone up or down. And they even have a little demo server that you can look at right on the Web. So you don't even have to download and install it if uh, if you don't want. So that's a pretty well, this cool work for things like uh, your Nest thermostat and your slage locks and 
Um, it probably Maybe. would, Pete. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. As long as it's running on your local network, and as long as your devices have consistent IP addresses, so either a DHCP yep. reservation or something, so that you can point at it and say, "I know, I want to know." You know, when this goes offline, yeah. uh, tell me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, as Mark M, Another, who, who is in the chat, points ping. out, if you can ping them, this thing can do its job. Yeah. Sorry, nice. John, go ahead. Yeah. Um, just throw another one in here because I got an alert from it the other day. Uptime robot. Okay. And for the most part, it tells me when my synologies are no longer accessible via, uh-huh. via DDNS. It's like, yeah, Synology 5 is down, and then Synology 5 is up, and then Synology... Interesting. So is this a, this is like a software as a service kind of thing, right? Like you, you, yeah. you don't, it's nothing you run on your devices. You just say, ping my devices for me. You give it. So yeah. So I give it the DDNS of my Synologies, for example, I could add other devices, but huh. I, I don't really. And it's free for up to 50 monitors a month uh, on a five minute monitoring interval. So if you need something that's monitored more frequently than every five minutes, then you, you pay them. Uh, different prices, but pay huh? money. Yeah, that's pr- I gotta. Uh, okay, I'm into this. That's pretty good, John. Right How on. long have you been using it? Is it? Is it? I assume it's Years. reliable, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. Huh? Well, doesn't doesn't your Synology email you when? It, yeah, it goes. Hey, I've lost contact. Well, you can. Yes, you can it have may. Synology email you about it, right? Because your your disk station can't email you if it doesn't have connection. Right. right? It's all. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. But yes. I yeah, know what I knew. <laughs> you meant what you knew. That's right. Um, the, the only issue with that is it's not. Uh, it's but not. That doesn't handle the other things that you can. Well, and you're not going to get it instantly. Or, like I got, right. I would get a notification because I got those notifications last week when my, when my UPS has finally stuff died and my stuff went offline with the power outage because the, only the house is covered by the, the standby generator, not the office. And of course, there's right. something flaky about our standby generator that doesn't actually turn on when it's supposed to that's a whole other issue yeah i told them i'm like they're like well we're not sure what it is i'm like it doesn't matter either fix it sure or not fix it (laughs) or or we're gonna unravel this thing and take a different direction because the whole point is that it turns on and i don't need to call the generator company to come out here when i'm in italy and turn my freaking generator on yeah which they did you know, that's not the point. Anyway, I'm probably going to move my whole network stuff over to the house, my Synologies and everything, because now that there's a standby generator there, I kind of want that. But anyway, I got those emails about my devices from Synology, but it was only after they'd been offline for like an hour. So you're not yeah. getting it instantly. You're getting it. Yeah. And, and an hour might be fine for whatever your use case is. But yeah, I like it. Ah, now I'm now I want to know why you never mentioned Uptime Robot on the show before, John. This is a good one. <clears throat> cool stuff found exists everywhere in our lives, folks. When you stumble onto yours, feedback at macgeekgab.com. Oh, that's a good place to send it. Feedback at macgeekgab.com. I think you said feedback at macgeekgab.com. I did. Uh, Dan sent in his cool stuff found and the final cool stuff found of this episode which is Blue Snooze. Blue Snooze um, disables Bluetooth while your Mac is sleeping and may help with the sleep-wake issues that we were talking about back in Mac Ecab 955. Uh, because they're, yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. Yep. Yep. I can't tell you how. I, I wish they had it for iPhone, too, because there's times when I want to use my Bluetooth headphones on my laptop. Oh. And it'll connect to my iPhone. So I have to go to my iPhone and turn off Bluetooth so that I can, you know, Interesting. swap over. Yeah, you should just be able to choose it on your Mac. Oh. I usually do, but sometimes it'll swap over for no apparent reason. It, are you talking about yeah. AirPods or third-party? AirPods. AirPods. Because AirPods should be smart enough to, to, to do that handoff and yeah. not go back. Well, I I, th- I could be wrong, but I think it's like if somebody calls and hangs up, oh. it goes and it swaps over. Like, Interesting. Oh, connectivity. Okay, because you know? it's trying to go. I'm gonna. Yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. answer the phone? You're gonna want to talk on your AirPods and yeah, yeah. You know, every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then they'll go hanky, and it'd be nice to be able to snooze my Bluetooth on the on the iPhone as well. But Blue yeah. Snooze is great for the Mac. Yeah, yeah, I I the one piece of warning that I will give before we leave here about Blue Snooze is. If your Mac only uses a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, I do not recommend running Blue Snooze because otherwise you might have trouble waking up your Mac to get it to connect back to your keyboard and mouse. So that's my uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Can you wake a sleeping Mac with the power button on it? I think you can. Just a quick tap on the power button should wake like a Mac mini or an iMac. I think so. I think the iMac. Remember, we that was a question we had a few weeks back yeah. that we talked about yeah. and how to get the keyboard to connect. I think what I did was, like I said, I did it wrongly. Yeah. I took a chance and it worked. I turned off the Bluetooth, but I powered it down and powered it back up and the Bluetooth came back up. So right, right. Not, not the easiest way and not the best way. You're cutting the throat of a lot of running operations. Yeah. By pressing and holding power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, holding power, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for sending in all your stuff to us at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Make sure you check out Pilot Pete's show, so there I was, .us. Make sure you check out our merch where you can find the Mac Geek Cab logo on the back of the Don't Get Caught t-shirt. Our merch is at macgeekcab.com slash merch. Make sure you say thanks to all of our sponsors by visiting them. Collide.com slash mzg. Zocdoc.com slash mzg. <sighs> well, hopefully everybody has a good week. Hopefully uh, no one turns off the Bluetooth on their Mac and can't wake it up again. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other uh, wishes or advice for our friends, John, before we go on our merry way? Um, With the storm coming, got to be careful. Hunker down, stay warm, and don't get caught. Made up.